Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Living Without Debt, Part 2. I'm going to give you a quick recap of, uh, of what I shared with you last week. And just to refresh your memory, those of you that were not on, I encourage you to go to our uh, SoundCloud and obtain or l- rather listen to the message because this is a continuation of last week's. What we talked about last Sunday was that God wants his people free from debt. Uh, That is a fact, and I can give you three main reasons, not that they are all the reasons there are, but I can give you three good reasons as to why I believe God wants his people free from debt. First of all, the book of Proverbs says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. He, uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Owe no man anything except to love them. So it is a fact that God wants you free from debt. First of all, here's a first reason. For the sake of your testimony. It is a good testimony to be able to live in this present world independent from the financial systems or institutions of this world. Second reason, it is also a good testimony for our Heavenly Father that He is able to provide for His family without them getting into debt. God is a good provider, and we sing so often, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He is able to meet all of our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we are testifying to the world that our Heavenly Father provides for our every need. And of course, the third reason is because I believe that God wants His people to be liberal in generosity. God is a generous God. He gives and He gives liberally. And His people Uh, have inherited the nature of God, and God wants us to be liberal in our generosity. And we need to be generous. I spoke to you about three primarily or four primarily areas that God wants us to be generous. First of all, He wants His full-time laborers or workers, those who labor in the Word and in teaching and in preaching to be well looked after. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, those who teach and rule well in teaching and in preaching as well are worthy of double honor. Second, he wants us to look after the poor. We must not neglect the poor, the widow, and the orphan. Those are the areas that God wants us to be liberal and generous toward Uh, these avenues. And um, of course, we also talked about the wonderful promises 
that God gives or has given to those who look after the poor. And also we talked about that God has a way in keeping us out of debt. He has a plan. In his wisdom, he has ways for us to reach a place where we are financially independent from the world systems. And his ways are always based on his eternal principles, which he has revealed in his written word. So, last week, we only managed to cover the first principle. So I'm going to give you the rest of the principles that I believe are foundational in getting us to a place where we live free from debt. The first principle that we talked about last Sunday was recorded in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. The things that he was referring to are things that we need to live in this present world. He talked about raiment and clothing and, and drink. He says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, and so on and so forth. For these things do the Gentiles go after, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Seek therefore first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. So God adds to us. We looked at the scripture last Sunday in the book of Proverbs that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, but it adds no sorrow to it. And so if we put first the interests of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives, in every decision we make, we inquire of, we seek his face, we seek his will, we seek what is beneficial for the kingdom of God rather than what's beneficial for us. We put his will far above all. And as we seek that and pursue the will of God from day to day, Jesus promised that all of our needs will be met. The second principle that I want to share with you today is the principle of knowledge and spiritual understanding of God's financial system, which is established in his word. Knowledge and spiritual understanding of God's financial system established in his word. Just as the world has a system, a financial system, by which they operate, God's kingdom has its own system by which the children of God ought to operate in. And we need to educate ourselves thoroughly in God's financial principles, which he established in his word long before we got here. That's so that we can, we can understand those principles, practice them in our lives, which are key to our financial freedom. And here is a major problem we face in the church, and I want to talk about it, take a few minutes and talk about it. And it has to do with the way we think. The problem that the church faces today is the way we think. In other words, our thinking process 
has not been renewed in accordance with those principles that God established in his word. And this mindset robs us of God's finest and God's best for our lives, and not just financially, but in every area. This is, this is what most believers think, that by just spending a few minutes reading the Bible or a few minutes in prayer every day or listening to a sermon now and again, without actually studying in depth the Word of God for themselves, it is sufficient to prosper in the ways of God. And that is not true. That's not possible. Even in the natural course of life, we are taught that without genuine effort, without study, without work, we cannot attain our dreams or our goals. Take, for example, doctors, people who want to study medicine. Do you know how many years they study medicine and how many years they are practicing that before they are licensed to function in the capacity of a doctor? They study for years. They research for years and years. And then they go into practical training under other doctors and then they are licensed to practice medicine. And, and, and this, is, this is in every sphere of life, from a nurse to a school teacher to a tradesman, they all study and work in developing skills and educating themselves in the field they choose to practice. And we see it in our everyday lives. What makes us think that when it comes to our spiritual development, things work without effort or without study. And this is one of the major reasons why the church is not prospering the way the church should prosper in every sphere of life. We're too lazy to study the scriptures for ourselves, to go into depth, to research, to meditate, to study, really study, not just on a Sunday morning, but every single day of our lives. We don't make this a part of our daily lives. Paul wrote to Timothy saying, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, notice what Paul said to his uh, spiritual son. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There it is. We need to understand that God has a plan for our financial freedom established on his eternal principles that are specified in his word. So we need to know what those principles are and we need to understand how they work. And remember this, the Bible is not a religious book. It is a manual for life. Are you hearing me? It is the manufacturer's handbook for success in life. Spiritual ignorance, the Bible says, is destructive. Put up the scripture, please, Stephen. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Thank you, Natasha. The people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. 
And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Amen. Do you see that? My people, God says, not the sinner out there, God's people are destroyed for one reason, lack of knowledge. And when we reject knowledge, we are being rejected from being priests unto God. It is a, and this is, I believe, a major problem within the house of God. Not enough knowledge. Our knowledge is shallow. And if your knowledge is shallow, your faith is shallow. And if your faith is shallow, you will only be able to do certain things, no further than that. Everything in the kingdom of God works by faith. Principle number three, faith which is accompanied by corresponding action. Faith, biblical faith, which is accompanied by corresponding action. All things, and I mean all things in God's kingdom, work by faith. And so do these principles. Nothing works outside of faith when it comes to the kingdom of God. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. We eat by faith. We drink by faith. We walk by faith. We pray by faith. We give by faith. We receive by faith. Amen. We think by faith. We speak by faith. Everything we do in the kingdom, the just shall live by faith. And we don't live accidentally. We live on purpose. Amen. All right. Faith is simply trusting God to the level of putting into practice what he says. That's what faith is. That's as simple as I can put it. Trusting him enough to the level of practicing what he says, what he commands, what he has written in his word. I trust his word and therefore I obey him. There's a beautiful hymn that we used to sing many years ago, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, only trust and obey. What a beautiful hymn. It's sad that we don't sing those hymns anymore. I love some of these old hymns are so spirit-filled, so expressive. Faith understands God and knows that His Word always works for our good. Faith knows that. Faith understands that. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. We're not going to read the whole verse. You know the whole verse. Luke 6.38. Natasha, thank you. Give, and it will be given to you. When I read that verse of Scripture, give, and it shall be given unto you, I believe it. I do not doubt what Jesus said. And because I believe, I act on it accordingly. I give by faith, but I also receive by faith. You know, some people are very good givers. They give by faith, but they haven't learned how to receive. And I remember many years ago, I wasn't in the full-time ministry. I was part-time uh, in the ministry and running our business in Masvingo. And a young man by the name of Andrea, also from Cyprus, heard about me, heard about my ministry, ministering to the Greek people. And he wanted to come and visit with us and stay for a while. He came, we offered him hospitality. 
for a few days and then he moved on to his journey. And when he was about to leave, you know, those days, it must be in the 80s, we still had traveler's checks. How many of you remember traveler's checks? So he took out his traveler's check and he signed a 100 US dollar traveler's check and he handed it to me. I was taken aback. I said, no, thank you. Uh, I, I'm fine. Thanks. Thanks very much. It took a lot of persuasion from him to receive that $100, but God used that incident to teach me a lesson. Afterwards, when he left in prayer, the Lord began to minister to me. He said, son, you've learned how to give, but you have not learned how to receive. Some people are not very good receivers. They, you give them a compliment and they won't take it, or they make all sorts of excuses, not just financial matters. And so that was a great lesson for me. He said, when I send someone to bless you, receive him and receive what he gives you in my name. Just like you give by faith, you must learn how to receive by faith. Well, that was enough for me. I learned my lesson. Praise God. When it comes to obeying God, listen, we need to set aside logic and reason because God is not logical and he is not reasonable. When he tells you to do something, most times are outside of human reasoning. Your, your reason cannot fathom your, your logic. It's illogical. What is so reasonable about telling a crippled man to rise up, take his bed and go home? That's, that's unreasonable. What is so reasonable about calling a man to in the center of, 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 of a place, of a hall, a man with, who has a withered hand, hasn't moved it for years, it's dry, it's withered. What's so reasonable about telling him to stretch forth his hand? I mean, it's withered, it's crippled. It's unreasonable. And God will tell you very often to do things that are unreasonable. Amen. What's so reasonable about, about telling Peter to come and walk on the water? So that's why I say there's no room for reason when it comes to walking by faith, folks. Because faith is outside of the realm of reason. Faith is far above human reasoning and human logic. And therefore, you're going to have to train your mind, train your reason to set it aside when it comes to obeying God. If God said it, you do it, no matter how unreasonable or how illogical it seems. You remember, we talked about the, the widow who was in debt, who was told by the prophet to go in the neighborhood, borrow many empty vessels and to fill them with one little jar of oil. That's unreasonable. Are you listening to me? But that's faith. When you learn to walk by faith, you will understand that reason and logic have no place in the walk of faith. God's word takes preeminence over feelings, over reason, over logic. Amen? 
My reason tells me every morning when I look at the mirror, I'm not healed. I can see it, but I choose to walk by faith. You remember, faith is a choice. We do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. When will the manifestation come, Pastor? I don't know. I'm not God. My part is to believe that I am healed. His part is to make it happen. So let's not change roles with God. How he's going to do your miracle, it's his business. Your business is to believe him and to trust his word and obey him. Are you with me? Praise God. Principle number four. Wisdom, the Bible says, is the principal thing. Therefore, we must seek wisdom in all of our financial decisions and follow the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. What is wisdom? In the most simplest terms, wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Therefore, seek his wisdom on all these matters. And let me say this, knowing these principles alone is not enough by just knowing them. In practicing these principles, we need the wisdom of God and the leading of the Spirit as to how, where, and when. The Spirit must lead you into the principles that, that, that God wants you to apply in every situation. And of course, this requires intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We need to be intimate. We need to be close to the Holy Spirit and follow His guidance in our giving, in our investing, in our buying, and in our selling. We need to understand that. And I shared with you how in our previous study, how I sought the wisdom of God and followed the leading of the Spirit in meeting my personal needs, but also the needs of the ministry. And I've learned, and I want you to learn this principle too. When I have a need, I sow a seed. Did you hear that? When I have a need, the first thing I do, I sow a seed. Because seeds are fundamentally and purposefully are to produce a harvest. Whether it's a spiritual seed or whether it's a financial seed. So when I look and I do not have enough for what I need to purchase, I put what I have in the hands of Jesus. I sow them. Remember the little boy with five loaves and two fish? They were not enough even to feed uh, two people. But he took them and he put them into the anointed hands of Jesus. And in his hands they were multiplied. So, when I have a need, I sow a seed. God's miraculous provision is secure and it is guaranteed that the seed that you, if you believe, will bring forth a harvest because God's word always works if we are willing to work with it. 
Principle number five. That's the last principle. Exercise patience and endurance during times of adversity. Hebrews 10, 36. We have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Listen, financial freedom, just like everything else in the kingdom of God, does not happen overnight. In God's kingdom, all things work by faith and patience. Here's another verse that I want you to see. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Do you see that? How do they inherit the promises? Through faith and patience. We need both. Patiently, we need to keep sowing the word, first of all, in our heart and in our minds, keep sowing our financial seeds as specified in the word. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus said, Luke 8, verse 15. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Mark says it this way. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Please notice the progression in Mark's account. The seed that fell on good ground produced with patience first thirty, then sixty, then a hundredfold in return. Did you see that? It's a progressive thing. When our faith is fully developed in this area, the word says that we can progress to a hundred percent return on the word we hear and obey and hold fast with patience. We don't give up. When contradictory circumstances attack us or everything else around us seems that this is not working, this is not working, this is not, we hold on to the word. We hold on to the word. We believe the word. We water the word. We declare the word over our finances, over our bodies, over our families. We hold fast to the word until the harvest comes. 30, 60, and 100 fold. And in closing, I want to share with you the limiting factors that limit the church. We've already talked a little bit about that. The only thing that limits the church from walking in God's supernatural power and provision, as I said, is wrong thinking, wrong believing, which is followed by wrong speaking. Wrong thinking, wrong believing, and wrong confession. Once we straighten out our thinking and our believing, According to the truth, we will be able to walk in our true nature as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and in our true calling. And this, we need to realize, folks, that our supply of provision and sustenance 
comes from God's riches in the glory realm. Are you listening to me? Through Jesus Christ. It comes from the realm we come from. Not from here, from there. Where did the oil come from? When the woman kept pouring and kept, where did it come from? It came from the fourth dimension of the unseen realm of God's glory. When Peter threw the nets in obedience to the Lord Jesus on the right-hand side of the boat, where did those fish appear from? Where did they come from? They were not there in the night. Where did they come from? They came from the fourth dimension, the unseen realm of God's glory. Jesus said, remember, we are not of this world as he is not of this world. You come from above. You've got to see yourself as a primarily a spirit being born from above, born of God. You live in a physical body. That's the house you live in. Without this body, you cannot stay on the earth. But you are primarily a spirit being born in the image of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ and an heir of God. We need to see ourselves as such. This is who we are in reality, in truth. Now, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, he says to them, uh, you are, your citizenship is in heaven. Where are we now? Philippian, Paul writing to the Philippians said that our citizenship is from heaven. So we see, therefore, that we are citizens of another kingdom living in this body temporarily to represent the king and his kingdom. Are you with me? This is who we are. Furthermore, the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. What is the function of an ambassador? It is to represent accurately the government of the country he comes from. That means the ambassador's views, his thoughts, his belief system, his provision and sustenance does not come from the country he resides in, but from the country he comes from. You getting it? And this is imperative for us to think this way. God tells you to do something, and so many of us think, well, I don't have enough strength, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough grace, I don't have enough education. You go, stop it. Stop it. You have enough of everything. Because your supply comes from the glory realm. That's where there is abundance. Amen? It is imperative for us to think this way. We need to learn to receive all things from that realm, whether it's grace, whether it's mercy, whether it's strength, whether it's comfort, whether it's provision. Look at the verse there, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we need to realize that our needs are not just material and financial, they are spiritual as well. And all our needs are supplied from God's riches in the glory realm. And remember, there's no scarcity in God's realm. There is abundance. Abundance of provision, abundance of protection, abundance of grace, wisdom, strength, and whatever else we need to live on this earth. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where is the throne of grace? The throne of grace, from where we obtain mercy and grace, is in the glory realm where we come from. Are you with me? Amen. All that mercy and grace provides is in the glory realm where we come from. Therefore, the only way we can accurately represent Christ and His kingdom is if we learn to receive by faith all of these things from that invisible realm. That's, I believe, that's when we become attractive to the world. Remember Isaiah chapter 60, the glory of the Lord will rise upon you. Nations will come to the brightness of your rising. Why? Because the glory makes us attractive. There is nothing more powerful than a person's testimony of a transformed life. Amen. Why would the sinners, excuse me, why would the sinners be attracted to Christ and his kingdom if we, who are supposed to represent him as just as broken, just as fearful, just as oppressed and depressed and confused as the rest of the world. What's so attractive about that? If we're not at peace, if we are fearful, if we are anxious, if we are stressed out, there's nothing attractive about that. Jesus lived a life, folks, that attracted all kinds of people because he accurately represented his heavenly father. He was attractive to all kinds of people. Why? Because he was able to meet their needs. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were sick, he healed them. When they had demon-possessed, he delivered them. That's why he was attractive. And when the church, finally, when the church learns to walk in her true calling and nature, and by faith receive all things from the glory realm, we will become very attractive to the world, and they will come to Christ, and they will come into his kingdom in their multitudes. Amen? So we have a goal, we have a dream, to become conformed to the image of his Son, where we become so irresistible, so attractive, that people will run to us because we have the solutions to their problems. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your precious and precious written word that unveils and reveals to us the living word, which is Jesus himself. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that is bestowed upon us abundantly. Thank you that you're teaching us to walk by faith, to think by faith, to receive all that we need by faith from the glory realm, where there is abundance, where there is provision, protection, wisdom, and guidance. We are eternally grateful to Jesus for paying the price. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for willing to lay down your life, to, to be scourged, to die on our behalf, that we may enjoy 
the full inheritance of sons and daughters in your kingdom. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.